Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you all for joining us to our first episode here with Soulful Scrubs. Uh, the point of this podcast is essentially to bring to our audience an element of a little bit of Islam as well as a fun, as well as random conversations of day-to-day life, um, and it, as well as experiences that we all kind of encounter that we'd like to share with you all. By all means, just a disclaimer, uh, we are not... Um, you know, religious scholars or have religious certifications or anything um, of all by that means. Uh, we more so tend to like to contemplate either as a group individually on certain aspects of Islam. Again, also sharing, you know, our uh, personal life experiences that we have with certain topics, relationships and things like that, that we have with other uh, fellow human beings, if I may. Uh, with that being said, my name is Muhammad Abdul Jalil. I'm a fourth year medical student from Des Moines University. I'm currently out here on my rotations for my fourth year. Um, I'm specializing in podiatric medicine, which is foot and ankle uh, specialty, uh, both surgery and as a clinician, inshallah. Um, Without further ado, go ahead and pass the torch on to uh, Hanan Khan. All right, assalamu alaikum. My name is Hanan Khan, and I am also a medical student. Second year just started, uh, as well as specializing in podiatric medicine, uh, foot and ankle surgery. And inshallah, this, I hope this to be beneficial for us four men over here, as well as those who are listening in the future. You know? And I'm just going to pass it on to my boy, Daha. <laughs> yo, 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 what's up? What's good to all my community members? It's your boy. Oh, no, I'm kidding. My name is Daha. I'm a first year going on to second year medical student in the DO program at Des Moines University. And I hope to create some meaningful conversations among my colleagues and enhance my education academically and religiously. And now I'm going to pass it off to Salah. Salam, y'all. My name is Salah Siddiqui. I'm also a second year <laughs> medical student. And, you know, I'm just here for the vibes and to hang out with the boys, you know, have the some vibes. good time. Always down for the vibes, my boy. Save the best you know, for just last. Trying to just chill with the boys, have some good convo, and hopefully create some decent content for y'all. Alhamdulillah. All right, Hanan, take us off, man. So just a little general understanding of how this is going to run is basically us boys are just going to talk about topics. Uh, could be, you know, dealing with just day-to-day basis or dealing with the world, you know, society and the economic state of the world, the way uh, my boy, who was it? Uh, Jaden Smith said it, you know? <laughs> Let's talk about the economic state. But anyways, uh, the first topic uh, to start off, since we're all medical students and this can relate, is how was the first year of medical students uh, for medical school? And how did you manage? We can start off with Muhammad, of course. Yeah, man, I think first year, first year was definitely the definition of drinking out of a fire hydrant. I mean, y'all have been through first year and I really want to hear what y'all have to say. And I don't know, for me, it was more so exploring of like, you know, what's kind of the best way to approach all of this? Uh, I think if anything, the best word that summarizes all of first year is adaptability, being able to change from one steady mood to a different, um, depending on the content that's being essentially like thrown at you and stuff. And of course, trying to like, you know, identify, you know, friendships, identify, you know, your personal goals, who you are, um, especially for most of us. You know, this was our first time kind of living on our own away from parents compared to like undergrad and stuff. And so, of course, taking on kind of like the daily tasks, like the chores, you know, like laundry, cooking, the cleaning, this and that, and kind of like, you know, growing, you know, 
as a as a as a human being, as a man, of course, as a uh, student doctor as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of like the best way to explain it, just man, just being able to to adapt to the entire like process. And and I think another main thing, of course, like having Dean and being able to you know be content with whatever like kind of happens. You know, you really can't control the outcome of an exam perhaps or this or there even life in general because you have school going on but you also have your external life going on too and so i think like being able to be content and being patient with the process definitely does go like a long way yeah i just kind of want to echo that real quick like i think when in during your first year it's the biggest change of pace you're going to experience in your entire life just going from undergrad to medical school everything just kind of comes really fast at you you definitely have to give up give up some of your hobbies, some things you enjoy in order to accommodate for that extra level of learning. But I think like as long as you have the right set of people around you, you know, as Muhammad said, like a good base in your faith, a good community, I think like you can definitely get through it. What do you think about it, Saw? That was first year. Yeah, so obviously it was an adjustment for sure. I feel like in terms of equivalency, you cover a semester's worth of undergrad material in about two months. So it's like double the pace of undergrad. At least that's how I felt how it was. So it is definitely way more fast paced and like you have to consume a lot more content really quickly. And, you know, just regurgitate it out on a test, but also like try and maintain some of that because you're going to need it later on as like, because that's the foundation of your of basically all the medical knowledge you will obtain in your four years but i feel like slowly but surely you kind of get used to that pace of like you know drinking out of a fire hose and it's just kind of like becomes the new normal and you know you slowly become able to like manage like that much material and like you know cover two weeks of content in a week when before it would take you like the whole two weeks to like barely uh, consume all of that. Um, but like, Alhamdulillah, like the first year was pretty good. You know, I got through it. You know, I had good support from like my friends, like Muhammad and Hanan. Um, <laughs> Dang, nah, that's crazy. That's actually crazy. Nah, that's a vibe. That's a vibe. Nah, nah, nah. That's nah, cool. It's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Like, you know, Muhammad Hanan, Taha, and even some of our other friends, you know, at school, they were like, you know, they really helped, like, keep me grounded and, like, not lose sight of, not become consumed by, like, the stress and anxiety that comes with medical school. So, like, big shout out to all my friends that I've made in the past year who, like, you know, made moving away from home and, like, making Des Moines, like, a home away from home. Uh, How about you, Hanan? As, as y'all can tell already, the soft one here is Salah, and y'all can expect that for the future <laughs> as well. But uh, honestly, man, the way y'all said it is the best. I just add my two cents into this. I cannot stress enough. First thing, especially moving out of my own state, I'm from originally Texas, as well as Muhammad. And just as Daha is from Florida, Salah is from Chicago. So we're all different states and we're all moved to somewhere but nowhere Iowa, right? That's how they say it. <laughs> where nobody knows. Everybody you ask, they mess up the name. Where are you from? Ohio? Idaho? Buddy, it's <laughs> Iowa. That's that's the thing. So yeah. Oh, you, you're in enough. Des Moines, Iowa? Yeah, Des Moines, yeah. right. Des Moines, yeah, Des Moines, Des Moines is, is crazy. Des Moines is crazy. 
What's so funny when when Anand came to Des Moines or even prior to that, he's like, "Yeah, I'm coming to Des Moines." Yeah, <laughs> so I, I don't think anyone really knows that. Nobody pronounces that because it's I'm French. Pretty, I'm pretty sure yeah, it's French. French. Yeah, I took yeah. French in high school, man. It's Des Moines. <laughs> you know, you live and you learn. So I That's learned true. my lesson. But like I said, back to the point is that I cannot stress enough create a family there create friends yeah that's the best way to cope with anywhere being alone right is to do that medical school obviously that's what you want to do that's that's the career you put yourself into but when you have people around you to support you it, it goes a long way so uh, hold on i actually mm-hmm. like on, on that point if i may right like you know you mentioned this this friends right and we unfortunately kind of like live in a time where like, you know, that true friendship where someone actually cares about you not to get something out of you. And perhaps, of course, it could be like a topic for like a later time too, in terms of like friendship and stuff. But like, how do you, how are you like, how do you find, you know, those like true genuine friends that, you know, want good for you and, and nothing but that? Ooh, that's a good question. You know what? I'm going to pass this on to Taha. I think this guy got it. <laughs> Damn. Ca- caught me lacking over here. Um, I think uh, true true friendship, I think, just takes time, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Every friendship that starts off isn't just going to connect immediately right off the bat, right? I right. think whenever you make a friend, you're going to go through some hiccups, maybe through some arguments, some mm-hmm. disagreements, whatever. You just kind of have to stick through it. And most importantly, always have the respect for the other person. If you mm-hmm. always have respect, regarding, regardless of whatever goes on, for the other person, you're going to come out being good friends. But the moment you lose respect for somebody else, that's mm-hmm. when like the friendship starts to crumble. That's when you see like people going behind your back or people expecting things out of you. It's when that respect crumbles. Mm-hmm. And, and going off of that, I think it's really important to have like good communication with friends, especially when you're like, starting off with new friendships just to like make sure that people know where you're coming from like you might make a joke or like you might be coming from like an environment where you saying or doing something is normal there but like someone else might not be you know used to that so just like having that communication that like and being like brutally honest with like your friends that like hey this is how it is and like this is what i meant and like i hope you don't take offense and then like slowly but surely you like like adapt to that you know Mm -hmm. i guess that behavior and Mm -hmm. and are able to like be like oh that's just like how like you know tahar hanan and or mo is like he doesn't mean anything like that whereas like uh but yeah so yeah that's what i'm so kind of like, you know, going back to talking, I think this will be like a great topic for something like in the future for like another for episode sure. we do, right? But like, I guess like, you know, since we're talking about like first year in general and everybody's kind of like shared their insight on it. Um, what's like, you know, one be ayah from the Quran or one verse from the Quran or one story perhaps even from the companions or the tabi'in and stuff that kind of like, you know, kept y'all pushing, like, you know, when things would get tough, you didn't get the right grades or, you know, you're kind of going into that crisis mode or, you know, the night before you're just cramming, cramming so hard because you needed to get a certain grade and stuff. Like, was there like one verse that kind of like, you know, be it that stuck, you know, that, that helped you get through your first year or, you know, even through previous like school years and stuff? Like, what's one verse or like one story that y'all have to share that y'all kind of like held true to in terms of like the impact that it had on you? 
I mean, for me, uh, I'm the guy who says Rabbi Zidni Ilma a hundred times before the exam. So, you, you, don't, you, you don't gotta study as long as you've been saying that. Um, so yeah, uh, I have, for translation, it means like, oh Lord, increase my knowledge or like mm-hmm. uh, a generate yeah. increase in my knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it's a very short, it's super, super short. It's probably one of the shortest duas out there. But yeah. I have like complete faith in it that I, I don't think like if I don't study for a test, I don't think that's going to like make me pass or anything like that, like unrealistic expectations. But I just know mm-hmm. that like it will allow me to do the best with what I have, right? Like wh- mm. whatever I've studied, it'll allow me to like maximize that and do the best. And it's just like a personal like belief I have. And it has made me every time I go into the exam, even if I don't feel prepared, just because I've said like I've prayed and I have that faith, it makes me go into my exam more confident. And when I'm more mm. confident, I tend to like stop, don't not overthink or not make like mistakes or second uh, choices or anything. So I go there with confidence and I'm able to perform a lot better. How about you, Hanan? Um, I would, there isn't a specific verse, but to go off with Taha saying, uh, if I could ask you another question, Taha, how important is faith in general then? In, in any career yeah i mean that's a very good question and i think the answer is going to range from person to person i think somebody who's an agnostic or an atheist would answer differently than a super religious person for me personally i think even if you were to take your religious beliefs aside right so let's say i'm not i'm not a religious person i don't have that faith in a higher power i think faith goes beyond that because it it kind of correlates with confidence right like if i'm going into a really tough exam or a really tough job interview or a really tough game of football against my friends right and i go there with confidence that like oh i know my god's watching me because i prayed to him beforehand even if like in a world where the god doesn't exist or where your religious beliefs aren't true that confidence alone that you get from that is gonna give you the edge over your peers or your friends or your rivals or your opponent. And I think that's why, regardless of whether you're religious or not, having faith is very, very critical to your daily life. Mm-hmm. Right. What about you? And go, going off of that, like for me, whenever like I would be going to, into an exam or something like that, you know, I knew that like, you know what, like I put in like as much effort as I could and you know, I, I prayed right before my exam. I like, I'm waiting for the exam to start. I'm like doing a, throwing up a quick prayer, prayer to God. And like, regardless of the grade that I get, whether like, you know, I, I get an A or like a C or like, a, or I failed that part of the exam. Like I knew that like, I did almost everything in my power and that like, you know, whatever, I, whatever grade I get is the grade I get. And like, you just kind of like swallow that and move on and just like, you know, just keep moving, moving forward and be like, you know what, this is what God wanted for me. I don't understand why he wanted it for me, but like, you know, it is what it is and you just got to move on and, you know, try and improve or like, you know, maintain whatever you got and just like keep pushing through. Hmm. How about you, Hanan? Uh, okay. So me going back to the verse that, that really, I, I think helped me a lot is this is the sense that um, there's a story in the in the Quran and as well as Christianity and Judaism is a belief in Jacob right? or we call him mm. Yaqub mm. and the fact that whenever his son in the story in the Quran says that his son leaves him and his 
his uh, other kids are with him, and mm-hmm. they go out and find his brother. They can't find him. Long story short, he, he complains and he says that I only complain to my Lord about my grief. Mm. Mm. To me, life, you'll have ups and downs, uh, you know, and you have situations where you don't know what to do next. Mm-hmm. That's just what it is. You know, the midlife crisis things that people have. This this uh, certain mindset that God is the only one that can help me and he, he is sufficient for me is what keeps yeah. me throughout my whole life. Um, mm. I don't really depend on anybody else, but only him. So that's that's mm. one thing that I was uh, I would try to connect with what Taha says that faith gives you confidence. It gives you that that ground, the reassurance, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's and again, you get like Taha said as well is that it gets different for everybody else. But that's the point of life that everybody is not a robot. You don't have everybody the way AI is going these days, right? Like mm. <laughs> we're all different, and the beauty of that is to come to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, going on to another question I actually was going to get to. Speaking about first year, any crazy stories first year? Well, I know what's funny. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what's so funny? Salah always starts every single sentence with, you know, what's funny. What's funny. What is so funny? This is, what this is, is like us? It's become my catchphrase, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh... Sorry, what was the question again, Hanan? <laughs> So, so guys, this is this is Salah being for real, for real. This isn't Salah like being a second character. This is Salah's true character. The the question, if I may repeat it, is that Salah, what's something you learn or something that, uh, like a story, story. yeah, Yeah, crazy story that went on the first year, man. Crazy story, Mm, come back to me, yo. So, so as you can see, there was nothing funny. <laughs> All right, oh, you go on. I know you got crazy stories, bro. Crazy stories for me? I mean, this might be TMI, but the craziest story was that when I got a diarrhea, the, cold the diarrhea, oh, no. I, I spent like, I spent two months of medical school just cooked. I was cooked. Man, I was just on the toilet, bro. I was battling gastrointestinal disorders. I was battling cold. I had a, uh, I had a, fl- I caught the flu, and it was just back to back to back, all amidst giving, taking exams and stuff. It was just, it was hell. It was hell. That's, I don't know if that's a interesting or funny story, but it's, it's certainly depressing. Alright, <laughs> bruh. Hanan, what's the crazy story you have? Crazy, honestly, crazy story to me was uh, moving into Des Moines, right? It's yeah, like, I oh, dude, it was so me actually Salah can relate. Salah also with me here is that it's so hard to figure out what to do when you're living on your own and trying to yeah. get a place, uh, either living with somebody or living alone, uh, yeah. and then figure out how far you are from school and whatnot. Mm. Like, there's a lot of things. There's a, it's a, Texas is far different than Iowa. Uh, Iowa, yeah, the has, culture, right? Yeah, the culture is yeah, madly different. Um, yeah. There's things like, for for instance, I I've gotten tickets from uh, cameras, <laughs> right? I've gotten tickets from cameras. I thought you lacking, huh? Caught, dude, and I kid you not, like, <laughs> the cameras. I don't know. The, this is this is against my against my amendments, person, right? They they're not allowed to do this in Texas. Texas has banned these cameras, right? Yeah. But 
besides Iowa's crazy cameras, there the culture there is also very unique in the sense that you have this uh, you have Midwestern hospitality, but then you also have Midwestern driving, and they're driving. <laughs> they will not let you in, no matter Bruh, what. Stop playing, y'all in Texas be wilding, bro. <laughs> Yo, you, man, man's we got, we got our like first 90... debate of the podcast. <laughs> man, bro, I was driving in Houston. Someone's going 90 in the right lane and then just cuts across four lanes of traffic and get, manages to get in the left lane. And I'm like, bro, how do people not get like in, in like accidents like 24-7? Like, it was just mind-boggling to me. It's expected bro, I think, in Texas. No, you know, because in, what's crazy? You know what? What is crazy though, Hanan? You you mm-hmm. are you are on point because I know at least for Iowa, I don't know what it is for like Illinois, right? But for Iowa, I think like they can get their driver's license at like the age of fourteen. Oh yeah, nah, it's it's six, no, it's six. It's like for Iowa, I think for yeah, Iowa you can't because of the the farm, I think law or something yeah. like that. I mean, yeah, but then they can only drive a tractor or something. No, like draw like, like they can they can like drive cars and stuff. I'm gonna look this up right now. Actually, I don't know. I mean, fact check. Real quick, yeah. yeah, yeah. Also, who's Joe Rogan's uh, fat checker? Oh my god, <laughs> you gotta get one of those. <laughs> but okay, so back to the story. Uh, it says I, I thought, 16, uh, and I don't know, 16. man. Well, well it says, wait, actually, no, 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 Dri- yeah, wait, wait. Drivers are eligible for a minor school license once they are 14 and a half years old. I think that's a, a driving permit, or is that like this is all like this is no, it says just like uh, driving. Oh, okay. Yeah, man, that's wild. Anyways, so Hana, you, what were you saying? As you can see, there's children driving on the road in Iowa. Literally. But anyway, the Texas, like, it's a lot to compare to Texas. You expect people to drive crazy in Texas. But in Midwest, I, I, like, there's no, there's barely any traffic, first thing. That's a good thing. Mm. But still, they're admin on the road. Like, they're like, no, you're not going to get in front of me. I don't care. And you're trying to merge into, like, from an uh, exit. Mm-hmm. I've never had that issue, bro. Like yeah. they just—they've always liked. Okay, how, how about this? How about this? Bro. How about this? Wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. How about this? How about this? What's one thing? What's one thing? Like, be a restaurant or just thing in general that when y'all moved to Iowa, y'all were like, "Man, I really miss this place." Be it a restaurant, a place y'all used to hang out with friends at, like back at y'all's home states. Like, what's that one thing, bro? Mm. The top. I think it's gonna Iowa is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. I, I, swear. I, swear. Th- I swear. I swear to he's, God. He's talking about you, Tha. Th- <laughs> I swear to my, God. Iowa my brethren. Some... <laughs> my brother, Iowa there's like six laws. Taco Bells in Iowa, Des Moines alone, bro. Bro, listen. I, I think Iowa has like some laws against corporate like fast food chains like McDonald's and Taco Bell to like so that their like taxes are higher or something. Because, like, mm. I do not remember Taco Bell and McDonald's being this expensive ever. Even when, like, I, when I come back home, I still manage to find, like, cheaper Taco Bells and McDonald's. Like, why is Iowa so damn expensive when it comes to, like, fast food places? And, like, mm. also, Taco Bell, why is it closed <laughs> at 12 a.m.? <laughs> right, bro, it's 2 a.m. Yo, and it's my man is upset. Man. Bro, I need my bean burrito, okay? <laughs> No, nah. nah. the monologue like, about Taco Bell is crazy. I ain't how about you? Ta- no, no. How about you, Taco? What's one thing you missed? About this. Okay, I Taco mean... Bell. Salamis so, so is like authentic Taco Bell that's like open after midnight, but also like you know has decent prices. How about you, Taco? What's your place? 
<laughs> I mean, so there's a cheesy answer and there's a non-cheesy answer. I think the Give cheesy answer, which I'm sure most of you guys will agree with, is family. I think that's yeah. like the one thing you're gonna miss most. Rice burrito from McTaco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh man! Besides family, <laughs> what else? Uh, I mean, a non-cheesy answer would be, bro, this Middle Eastern restaurant. If you're in South Florida yeah. in the nah, sunrise bro. area, bro, chill, chill, chill. <laughs> we all know the real answer is Waffle House, okay? Oh wait, low key, I forgot. About- yes, that Waffle is- House. It's Waffle. Bro, House. So you, you, I'm. Oh my God! How do you forget listen? Taco let me let me let me give you guys a Yo, fun I'm from fact. I'm frigging Midwest, and I know about Waffle House. Let, let, wait, wait, wait. Let me give you guys a fun fact. Okay. In the Southern states, use Waffle House's availability, like when it's open, as an indicator of how bad the hurricane is. I actually heard about that too. Actually, you yeah. also that. heard about if, that. If, yeah. Wait, what do you mean by that? If the cook smokes, if the cook, if the cook smokes a cig right before making your food, you know that's <laughs> Oh it's God. gonna be busting. I promise. You, you need that. You need the ash you know, as the seasoning or the eggs. As the ash <laughs> exactly. But uh, to answer you, Hanan. So basically, Waffle Houses are twenty four seven, three sixty five, right? They never close, and they tend to stay open even in harsh conditions. But when the Waffle House closes, that means when their management is like, "All right, it's so bad that we have to close." That's an indicator that the weather conditions are really bad. And state officials actually use that as an indicator, like, "Oh, oh like a parameter." Waffle Houses yeah. are closing. Dang, we gotta evacuate these people, bro. So that's all I'm gonna say. Go to the franchise. True. Don't at me. Okay, so Taha's going with with Waffle House, right? How about yes, you, sir. Hanan? What are you going with? What a burger. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You that's, already know. That's that's for Col- sure. Culver, yeah, that's for Culver's sure. Man. got nothing on what a burger. Nothing, man. You know hey, what man, I do? The, you know, you know what I do like that Iowa has, bro. A freaking Canes. Oh, that's true. Canes is there. I ain't gonna lie, overrated. Oh, yeah. whatever. Man. Overrated. Overrated. Wait, wait, wait. Canes? Canes or Chick fil A? Chick fil A. And it's not close. You're going with Chick fil A? Listen, I don't eat Chick fil A anymore. But I've had, I've, had halal, I, I've had halal canes in Dubai mid. I've had it's halal. so mid. Thank you. I've had, I've had halal Chick fil A. <laughs> By halal, you mean Sabiha, right? Yes, from yeah. beyond something farm in Atlanta. That's where they got their meat from. Mm. And bro, spicy, spicy. What's it called? Spicy fried. What's the What's the sandwich it's a, it's called? It's just spicy, spicy chicken. Spicy bro, chicken. Bro, mm. spicy chicken with some avocado lime, lime ranch. Bro, oh my god, that's yo. My man remembers his order from years ago, bro. That's <laughs> bro, a real fan. Bro, Austin Chick Fil A's be bogus as hell because they don't be telling you where they get their meat from, bro. One week where I was there and they'd be telling me that Chick Fil A halal was probably one of the best weeks of my life. Yo, yo okay, Dang. so I want to, I want to yes. make a, like, I want to take back that halal is soft. Boys coming for every franchise neck right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Boys yo, like redemption. Hey, to- <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. If in the future we get any any uh, sponsorships, we're not getting one from fast food restaurants, bro. We, we gotta, you know, you know. We're gonna get one from Taco Bell. <laughs> like, yo, remember in episode one when you roasted our bean burrito? Nah. <laughs> bean burrito is the best thing on the menu, by the way. Oh my god! But I remember when bean burrito was one dollar. Now it's like two eighty. It's like, goddamn, bro, is this me? 
Oh man. Um, okay, so first first year again, about first year, guys. <laughs> <laughs> how how Bro, we, moved on, we moved on to fifth year. I actually, actually do have a crazy story. The craziest story is that my very first time seeing a dead body in front of me and being yeah. able to dissect that. That that reality of seeing somebody uh you know present in front of you that lived for so many years and what whatnot and now you're you're just taking their body apart that's surreal mm-hmm. what do you think Don? yeah i know i i definitely agree um it, it's definitely a surreal moment i think the first time when you just see the face it definitely like kind of catches you off guard but makes you a little bit of weak in the knees that's like the first wave i think the second wave is just gratitude like dang like this person really gave up his, you know, body for us to advance for medical studies. Like kudos to him, respect to him, love to him and his family. And then you get the third wave where it's like, you know, you feel so glad that you're able to do that, learn the body. Because I think like um, cadaver labs definitely add an element to medical education that you don't get just from your didactics. So I think, yeah, yeah very, very nice. Yeah. Um, for me, the, seeing my cadaver wasn't the first time I've, like, seen a dead body. Like, I've had family members who, uh, for those who don't know, like, before in Islam, before a burial, we have to wash uh, the person's body. And so I've washed about, like, three dead bodies before. So it wasn't surreal seeing somebody dead, but, like, I think the, sur- like, the, like, like, holy crap, like, what am I doing part was, like, when we were skinning the back and you're just like tearing at it and just like trying to get the skin and the fat attached from like disattached from the muscle. I was just kind of sitting there like, Oh my God, I'm just like ripping someone's skin off. And like, like imagine if this person was like alive, that would have been so painful. But like, mm-hmm. that was kind of like, so like, Whoa. And like, I, I agree with Daha when like seeing the face, like I think for the, at least like, two-thirds of the year like we had like a wet towel on the face like mm-hmm. just because we were like not comfortable seeing it yeah i think like for me i think it was more so like realizing like what the end is gonna be right mm-hmm. like one day i'm gonna be in that person's like shoe meaning like i will be a dead body one day right and so it, it starts you know you start kind of contemplating and thinking it's like well what's next Right. Like this person, you know, that, that donated their body and stuff to this, you know, deceased cadaver, whatever you want to call it. Right. Like this, this beautiful creation from the most magnificent creator. Right. And this, this creation had people who loved them. They loved other people. They had, you know, their own lives, their own stories, wealth, status, everything in between. Right. But at the end of the day, they, they took nothing with them. Right. They're right there in front of you. You don't see their gold on them. You don't see their status written all over their body or anything like that, right? And it's 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 uh, it's it's you know, and like even when you start like dissecting and stuff, whether whatever color the body the skin is, you know, that the, the the body that was donated and stuff, like none of that become matters anymore once you dissect through it, right? It's all like mm-hmm. literally identifying structure, right? And it's all and the then, same on the inside, right? Right? Like right. the and colors and. But the beautiful thing too, like, you know, you start realizing too, like as you're dissecting, like one body is different than another, right? And Allah's wisdom is far more greater than any of us could comprehend for why Allah chose to create that creation that way, right? It it had me just start contemplating and just, you know, just like, you know, constantly making, 
you know, both istighfar, both dhikr, and just in general, just from because of like what the fact that like you're dealing with in front of you, right? Like this could be me, and this this will be me one day, right? Just this nothing, and so it gets you thinking. It's like, well, what happens after that? What happens next? So that's kind of like, yeah, that, that's, that's that's that a, for me, I guess. That's a uh, beautiful beautiful reflection, bro. The the fact mm-hmm. that you took a body instead of taking its surface, you know, face value where you're just saying, oh, I'm doing this for medical studies and to ba- basically help my future patients. But you took it in for yourself and said, this, this is where I'm ending. And I think that's how, that has right. more of an impact because then you can reflect and say, you know what, I'm helping these people because I- I'm going to end up like this. And why would I mistreat something right. this valuable to study and, you know, goof around. You always have some people in it that make jokes about dead body or make jokes about, uh, you know, certain things about somebody's body. But to have that, that's just, that's in general, of course, like in life. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. And then once you get to the, like the cadaver lab, or if you get the opportunity to go to a cadaver lab or something like that, it's like, you know, you know, those friends or those people like outside of school and just in your day to day life that make these types of jokes and stuff. You're like, man, like if you were to see what I'm seeing right now, you wouldn't be, making mm-hmm. these remarks or saying these things or whatever the case is. But it's different than when you have that, you know, that body in front of you, that cadaver, donated cadaver in front of you just for the sake of our benefit, learning, knowledge, and everything in between. Well, speaking about cadaver, what was the craziest dissection you guys had? Like, starting off for me was definitely the brain. Like, the fact that I was able to take out the brain from the skull and holding it in my hand and saying, this is this person's life right in front of me, the memories they've had, Everything they've done is in my hand. That's that's mm. real. What, what do you say, Tom? That's deep, man. Crazy, crazy <laughs> dissection. I think I think for me it was probably the heart um, uh, for a couple reasons. Aww. One, it was just like interesting, just because um, uh, my patient specifically had a pacemaker in their heart, um, so mm. it was really cool to see like how that's connected and uh, you know where the wiring and how it works. Um, the other thing was that from a religious perspective, you know, in Islam, we believe that, that your soul resides in your heart, right? So I think like just knowing that this is like where this person's soul was, you know, this is where this person's soul resides. I think that was like a really cool thing to look at. And, you know, just like, I think heart is one of those um, organs that we study in very, very like hardcore detail and learn a lot about so i think just educational perspective as well like it was really fun to look at yeah i agree with the on that like our my my uh cadaver was a very large man like you know six plus six foot plus like over 200 pounds easily and like even his like his heart was like really big and it was like very like well kept or preserved and when we like dissected the heart out like our anatomy ta came by and was like wow that's a really good heart make sure you like uh like preserve it because i'm going to use that as like a model for next year so that was like pretty cool that like i was able to like dissect the heart and like you know like basically i i was lucky enough to have like a heart that was good and he also had some like really like deep stuff but i'm i'm a Bro, when we got to like the urogenital section <laughs> and like we oh, like cut Lord. the guys like you know male genitalia. Male genitalia and half I couldn't man. I'm like I can't violate another man like that. <laughs> Yo. 
that is some gruesome stuff with you. you know that again this is all medically related we're trying to understand the body so right. i can understand that Salah's like this you know there's, there's a violation here we're not we're not supposed to be doing this like, obviously like you know it was for medical purposes and not like you're just like you know taking a scalp and going at it but like mm-hmm. you know like just like the aspect like that's like you know what yeah mm-hmm. like just moving on it's just it's very surreal like it's Every time you like um, place a scalpel or make a cut, I think just in inherently you're imagining, you know, just through empathy that how would you feel if you felt a cut there, right? Like if you're piercing like somebody's knee or making a cut on somebody's hand, you're like, oh, like you can almost kind of feel it. Um, I've definitely felt that. I don't know about you guys, but I've definitely felt that a couple of times where like I look at it and I'm like, ouch, like that would hurt so bad mm-hmm. if that was done to me, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, there is another question I have, not based on cadavers, but on just the, the first year again, because this whole podcast, we're just starting off with just our first year medical as medical students and how we survived, is how did you guys think about the teaching style, the, te- the way that you're taught school? Because their, their, their education is different. The DOs, if, uh, those who don't know, are osteopathic medicine. And then MDs are allopathic medicine. So the osteopathic learn differently. They learn something extra known as OMM, right? And how is that teaching? How do you apply that to your life? What's important about OMM? I think you and I think Salah, you and I should take this because we're the DOs here. So you want to go first? The do's and the diplomas. Mm-hmm. Anyways. <laughs> um so it's interesting it's interesting and i do have mixed feelings about it some of it is like valid and like you know like i see its applicability and and like patients who have pain and you know discomfort and whatnot and and like even in myself like you know i remember studying for a practical with my partner and you know, after a couple of movements, I had to use the bathroom right away. And that's like what OMM does. It like, you know, activates like the certain nerves in your bodies where like that, like, you know, produces different kinds of like functions. Right. Mm-hmm. And so some of it is a bit interesting where I'm like, is that valid? Or is like, what's like the science behind it? And I'm sure like the previous like uh do's and omm teachers have like studied it well and i'm sure there's some science behind it but like you know some of it is as a student when you're just kind of like thrown in like oh yeah like do this maneuver and it's supposed to fix stuff can be a bit it raises an eyebrow Mm -hmm. but i do see its applicability at the same time and why uh, why they teach it and how it can be used uh to treat patients yeah um i i see omm as like bringing a knife to a gunfight kind of thing and what i mean by that is is it gonna like treat your every single patient you have is it gonna win you every single battle no but i do think it has some utility like you know how a knife in close combat would be more useful it's kind of similar to that where i think it has utility in certain cases and certain in specific fields um if you're into if you're in family medicine or if you're in, you know, maybe even OB-GYN, uh, 
to a certain extent, pediatrics, ortho, PMNR. Uh, PMNR. So all of those things, you know, pain management, I think OMM definitely does uh, give you some extra tools that you can utilize on your patient that are cheap and, you know, more or less effective. Um, I don't think it particularly adds to my curriculum in terms of like workload. I In the beginning, I, it felt like, oh man, it's just another class I have to deal with when I'm already doing the same thing as allopathic students. But over time, I think I got accustomed to it and it was more so like, oh, I just have to spend like two hours a week doing this and I'll be fine. And it didn't require much more than that. And Alhamdulillah, like I've been doing great in my OMM classes. Like they're definitely by far the easiest of all of our classes. And, you know, it's an extra tool in my pocket. So I think my opinion on it has changed. I, I, I like it a lot more now. Well, that's All right. It. So, <clears throat> yeah, oh, <laughs> I, I had a thing, kind of like a question for us to, to like kind of end on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now that mm-hmm. Don and Salah kind of like gave their perspective about the OMM aspect and stuff. Um, now that you've gone through first year, um, if you can, you know, if there's an, if you had like a sibling or a family member that was also about to pursue this route and start their first year, what's like the number one advice you would give them? We'll start off with Taha first. Oh, okay, oh. fine. So <laughs> Man's on the speech ready, man. I ain't competing with that. He got it. So right, so Start us off. What's the number one, ad- one, just one advice? One piece of advice. Mm-hmm. First of all, you got into medical school you're smart enough to like you know handle the classes and the workload and become a great physician but if you have a schedule a solid schedule right what and like you stick to it it'll make your life so much easier and that's something i'm still like kind of struggling with and like trying to like you know maintain and like adapt and like create a good schedule and sticking to it and like, I feel like I would have made like the earlier parts of my medical school a lot easier. I feel like I would have done a lot better in my classes. And, you know, if you have a schedule, bro, you'll be, you'll be fine. Like, obviously it is a lot of work and a lot of studying, but creating a schedule and sticking to it will allow you to uh, manage the workload and the you know 20 lectures that you have to learn in two weeks okay how about you hanan me the advice i would give to someone who wants to get a medical school like what are you thinking right you're trying to get into debt or start <laughs> what are you thinking <laughs> why would you do this to yourself <laughs> no, I'm hanan, no, I'm i said it's about to start, not thinking of doing pre-med. Okay, okay, okay. About to start medical school. Okay, about to start. <laughs> well, 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 again, congrats. You know, you, you just got into an adventure that will last you probably 12 years before you could actually start practicing but uh, and making money. <laughs> but the advice I'll give is discipline, bro. Discipline is key. If you're, you're a person who knows when to get things done, not at times where you want to go do it but in times you don't that's important the times you don't want to do it it's going to help you create that barrier that limit to like a i can push myself and complete things that's one the number one thing i learned through this whole medical school drinking through a fire hose and then the second mm-hmm. what was it the second semester the fire hose broke off and now you're just drowning in the water but uh mm. this that's important discipline keep yourself disciplined Mm. So, what about you, Taha? 
I'm, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. What you guys said is 100% true, mm-hmm. right? But I think there's two things you have to keep in mind uh, as like an incoming student. One, you're going to try to create a schedule and sometimes it just won't work out, right? Mm-hmm. And Salah and Hanan can mm-hmm. attest to that. We 100%. like yeah we try to create schedules but just stuff happens whether you get lazy you hang out with your like friends too long like a spontaneous trip to omaha exactly. yeah i don't know who, i don't know who would ever do that like what even is in omaha i'm just like you know chill out chill out of zoom for six hours <laughs> but um yeah so i you know I like recommend. things happen and, and the second thing is that you can, sometimes you're going to try really, really hard, right? You're going to try super hard. You're going to study. You're going to do every single thing right. And you're still going to get hit that with a grade that's below your expectations. And in both circumstances, I have a favorite saying that I think applies to both of them. And what's going to get you through medical school? It is what it is, man. It is what it is. What it is. You know? It is what it is. You 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 get knocked out in one of the exams. It is what it is. You pick yourself up. You go on to the next one. You miss a class because you slept too late because you were out last night. It is what it is. You pick yourself up and you go to the next one. Or and it's just that's the mentality. Anatomy professor and that you were sick. Yeah. Honestly. Anyways, <laughs> um. So yeah, you 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 know, like you have to have that mentality because medical school is gonna hit you like a truck, and it's gonna you're gonna have downs. You're not gonna have like a constant upward projection, constant acing exams, constant acing your like some things in your life are gonna go through a struggle. Hey man, whether it's family, I, I, I know whatever. I know some specimens who be getting straight A's, man. You're not wrong, but I mean, yeah, yeah, uh, but but it's that it's not just your education, right? Like, what about your volunteering? Maybe you're doing a research. Maybe your family. Maybe your friends. You're gonna have hiccups in different aspects of your life just because how cramped med school is. It's not just your uh, education, but also like you're an adult now, right? So you have familial responsibilities, responsibilities towards your friends. And I think you're going to face through hiccups. And what you have to do is understand and be like, okay, like, I just have to pick myself up. You know, I, mm. I know a straight students in our class that, like, you know, alhamdulillah get straight A's, but they have their personal struggles they're struggling with. And that ba- that's the best advice I can give you is just sometimes you just have to say it is what it is mm-hmm. and just move on to the next thing. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and end on, yeah, end on the last note here before we finish up our first episode. But I think the the number one advice I'd give is like, you know, even if you don't do too well on your exams or aren't doing too hot in classes or whatever, even if you fail an exam, whatever the case is, um, I think the number one advice is not to tie that with your self-worth as well as with your spirituality as well as everything else. Meaning like not because you did bad on an exam or something like that, that means you're a horrible person or you're going to be a horrible doctor or that God doesn't like you, or that your spirituality or faith now has to suffer because you think, mm-hmm. like, why is God so mean or this or that, right? But that's completely not the case at all. I think it's like seeing through all of that and realizing that there's a huge purpose and reason for why you're you're going through what you're going through. And the way I like to see it is, like, perhaps God is trying to bring you closer to him just because of, you know, you know maybe a dua or a supplication that you made asking to get closer to Allah and that's just Allah's way of getting you closer to him but I think at the end of the day it's one of those things like any calamity or test that befalls you you know where you're suffering or whatever the case is and I know Hana kind of mentioned on it about like Yaqub but I think right beautiful enduring beautiful patience that doesn't necessarily contain like you saying okay I'm going to be patient but still complaining to people about your state and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Rather go to God and just let it out and vent it out to God 
And of course, having like that good friend group or a scholar from like a local message or something like that, that you're close with, where you can confine to them, speak with them, get advice from them, you know, into how to navigate the situation that you're in and stuff. So I'd be like, that'd be like an important advice because a lot of people tend to, you know, inflict that upon them and say like, you know, I'm doing bad because I am X, Y, and Z. And I feel like you coming into medical school, you can't have that attachment or else like you truly like will, will suffer, um, you know, going through that alone if you do not seek like, you know, professional help and stuff. Yeah. All right. So I guess we're going to wrap this up. Uh, it was great. About 47 minutes long. I hope everybody who's listening to this in the future takes benefit from this and, you know, give us some positive feedback or even constructive criticism about anything uh, that we need to fix. Uh, and if anyone has anything to say, Ataha Salah, Mo, Muhammad. Um, yeah, I just I just want to say um, it was great talking to you guys. It was a it was a good environment and um, peace. Walk away song, I guess. All right, well, yeah, no, thank you all for for tuning in and for listening. Uh, one uh, last thing, we're gonna say that we're try- we're trying to do this weekly, uh, so hopefully. We can produce this, publish it, and you know, give it out to the the media, and you guys can listen to this. Um, but other than that, you know, I hope you enjoyed. Looking forward to seeing where this goes. Yeah, let's see where it goes. Just yeah. a journey with four boys who are trying to make it in life. <laughs> you know, for real. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. No. Thank you. Thank you all for all for right, tuning peace in. Peace out. Salam. Thank you all for tuning in uh, and please stay tuned to our next episode. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.